Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 97.1 FM The Drive presents the Behind the Song podcast. Taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. In this episode of Behind the Song, let's take a closer look at the quirky and profound lyrics of the song Nobody Told Me by John Lennon. Nobody Told Me was released on the 1984 album Milk and Honey by John Lennon and Yoko Ono, four years after Lennon's death on December 8, 1980. The album was the first posthumous collection of Lennon's music after his passing, and much of the material is from rehearsal sessions or rough takes, including this one. What we know as the final recording of the song was done in August of 1980, during the sessions for the Double Fantasy album. Lennon had actually started writing the song back in 1976, and at the time he gave it the title, Everybody's Talking, Nobody's Talking. He held on to it and added to the lyrics and sections as time went on, but when it was finished as a demo, he decided he didn't want to include it on Double Fantasy. He then intended for Ringo Starr to have it for the solo album that he was working on, 1981's Stop and Smell the Roses. But after Lennon's passing, Ringo couldn't bring himself to record the song or any of Lennon's material. So the sort of unfinished feeling that the song has is very real. It was never fine-tuned from the demo version he had intended for Ringo to build on. He recorded 10 takes of it at the Hit Factory in New York in August of 1980, and the best of those is the one we know. When it was released in January of 1984, it peaked at number 5 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the US, and it was a big hit in England too. People were still hungry for John Lennon's unique, sometimes absurd, yet often wise take on life, and they still are to this day. Lyrically, the song references moments from throughout Lennon's own life. It starts like this. Everybody's talking, and no one says a word. Everybody's making love, and no one really cares. There's Nazis in the bathroom, just below the stairs. Lennon and his generation grew up in the aftermath of World War II in Liverpool, where it was so hard hit with bombs that children used the bomb sites as playgrounds. Born in 1940, he and the rest of his generation grew up fascinated with all that damage, and how a man like Adolf Hitler could develop a cult following that would allow him to do the damage he did against humanity. He referred to the Nazi party as the nasties in his book, In His Own Right, and refers to that time in Liverpool and the rest of the world as the awful. And the fascination with the ugliness of Hitler carried on throughout his life. He drew a crude sketch of himself as the dictator when he was at art college in Liverpool back in the late 50s, which, incidentally, sold in 2018 for over $54,000. A weird thing to do speaking to a fear that became rooted in the bombed-out shell of his hometown. 
So when he sings that there's Nazis in the bathroom just below the stairs, it's a metaphor. The bad guys are always lurking, always close by, and ready to do you harm. The song continues. Always something happening and nothing going on. There's always something cooking and nothing in the pot. They're starving back in China, so finish what you got. Much like the first lines, when he sings, everybody's talking and no one says a word, this section of the song speaks to the ritual sameness of day-to-day life. People continuing to go about their business without really stopping to acknowledge what's happening around them, or even to pay too much attention to what's being said or sold to them. Always happening, but nothing going on. Stuff cooking, but nothing in the pot that you can really sink your teeth into. A lack of depth and a sort of factory-line approach to living. Going about your life in a perfunctory way. Doing what you're told. When he sings, They're starving back in China, so finish what you got. That was something often told to children who wouldn't eat all their dinner as a way of guilting them into cleaning their plates. To which children would roll their eyes and shovel in another mouthful to appease mom or dad. Then the chorus kicks in with Lennon singing, Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days, indeed. And how strange it must have been to be John Lennon, a person capable of such deep thought and offbeat humor, as well as a kind of constant smoldering rage and with a cutting tongue. To have been in the Beatles, the most famous band in the world, with its cult-like fans, worshipped like a god but then disillusioned with all that and wanting to center himself in a new life with a higher purpose. A seeker looking for meaning. And while you can't really say that John Lennon was ever a member of the rat race, he was a man with fears and delights and boredoms, just like us. A human struggling through the day-to-day. The song continues. Everybody's running and no one makes a move. Everyone's a winner, and no one seems to lose. There's a little yellow idol to the north of Kathmandu. Everybody's flying, and no one leaves the ground. Everybody's crying, and no one makes a sound. There's a place for us in movies. You just gotta stay around. Now this part of the song references a 1911 poem by J. Milton Hayes, The Green Eye of the Yellow God. The poem was often performed in music halls as a monologue by actors back then, and it was memorized by generations of Brits. The opening lines of the poem are, There's a one-eyed yellow idol to the north of Kathmandu. There's a little marble cross below the town. There's a broken-hearted woman tends the grave of Mad Karoo, and the yellow god forever gazes down. In Lennon's lyrics, he changed the one-eyed yellow idol in the poem to say little yellow idol, but it's obvious that he was referring to this poem when he wrote the lyrics. The poem itself is set in Nepal, which is north of Kathmandu, and spins a tale of a young officer named Mad Karu, who steals the green eye of a yellow god to give to his love interest. He is caught stealing what we assume is an emerald eye in a golden statue and is later murdered by one of the idol's followers who returns the eye to its original place in the statue. 
So weirdly, here again you have an example of hero worship. This time, a cult member murdering the poem's main character in order to return the idol's eye. So, nobody wins. The main character, Karu, is dead, never to see his beloved again. And the cult member is now a murderer. Then the chorus of the song again. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days indeed. Most peculiar, Mama. The inclusion of the word Mama here is powerful. John Lennon's own mother, Julia, was a high-spirited woman who gave him over to her sister to raise but kept in contact with him daily as he was growing up. Musical and funny, she wasn't the most traditionally maternal person, but she made a huge impact on Lennon. When she was killed by a car accident in 1958, when he was still a teenager, it absolutely devastated him. She later became the namesake for his first son, Julian, and she was said to have been his lifelong muse. He transferred some of that inspiration over to Yoko Ono, often referring to her as mother as well. So he's saying to his muse figures, you never told me life was going to get this crazy. It also plays on the old saying, Mama said there'd be days like this, but it inverts it and makes it less reassuring than lonely. And that's to be expected from a man who was a boy, who was given to an aunt to raise, and who felt abandoned by the death of his mother, never got over it. And knowing that helps us understand why Yoko held such prominence in Lennon's life as well. Almost a decade older than Lennon, Yoko provided a maternal protection for this artist, who needed that more than anything. So it was really surprising when, with their marriage on the rocks in 1973, Yoko suggested to Lennon that he embark on a romantic affair with their assistant, Mei Pang. Of this, Yoko has said that at that point in their union, it was really hard to be together. She knew that everybody hated her and that it was hurting his career because people hated him for loving her, blamed her for breaking up the Beatles. She said it was toxic to live through and that she needed some space. And she said she could tell Lennon was attracted to Pang. So she came up with that unorthodox suggestion for the two of them to go off and have an affair together. That led to 18 months in which Lennon lived with Pang in New York and Los Angeles, making music, but also doing drugs and drinking an awful lot, getting into trouble with Harry Nilsson and generally becoming unhinged away from Yoko a time that he would later refer to as his lost weekend. Which leads us to the next part of the song. Everybody's smoking, and no one's getting high. Everybody's flying, and never touch the sky. There's UFOs over New York, and I ain't too surprised. The line about the UFOs over New York is a direct reference to a claim John Lennon made that he actually saw a UFO flying over the city of Manhattan. In 1974, while recording the Walls and Bridges album in New York, he was separated from Yoko and living with Mei Pang in an apartment overlooking the East River. He said in Interview Magazine that out the window of that apartment, no more than 100 feet away, was a thing with lights flashing on and off on the bottom and one big red light on top. 
For her part, May Pang claims to have seen it too, and said that the two took Polaroids of it, but that the pictures didn't come out with any discernible image to prove it. They even called the police, and Lennon told them that he saw a UFO go down the river and make a right by the United Nations building. And he wasn't alone. Police said they had several callers claiming to have seen the same strange thing over New York that day. John Lennon was so convinced of it that he put it in the liner notes of the Walls and Bridges album, announcing, On the 23rd August 1974, at 9 o'clock, I saw a UFO. J.L. According to Pang, when that incident happened, Lennon yelled out the window after it, Come back! Take me! And then the song ends with the chorus. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days indeed. Most peculiar mama. So it's back to mama again. After the 18-month lost weekend, John and Yoko got back together and by her account, actually started dating again to be sure the marriage could and should be saved. And it was saved, of course. Lennon said of the reunion, We learned that it's better for the family if we are both working for the family, she doing the business and me playing mother and wife. He said they reordered their priorities, with the number one priority being family, and everything else revolving around that. Their son, Sean, was born on October 9th, the same day as John's birthday, in 1975. And from that point on, John largely kept to himself at home, raising Sean, baking bread, and letting Yoko handle the business end of being John Lennon. She continues to carefully manage his legacy all these years after his untimely death outside of the Dakota Building in New York on December 8th, 1980. And who knows, maybe John Lennon did see a UFO in the sky over Manhattan. It's as possible as anything else about the man's life, including how he could have written a song like this that continues to speak so clearly to the human condition, especially right now, as we all move forward as best we can, with each year seeming more peculiar than the next, going through strange days indeed. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Jandalane Radio and on Twitter at Jandalane. Special thanks as always to Christian Lane for sound design and engineering. On the way, episodes on songs from Cream, ACDC, and more classic rock and roll. Put the power of podcasting to work for your business. You can be part of Behind the Song and reach potential customers inside every episode. To advertise your product or service by sponsoring Behind the Song, send an email to podcast at hubbardradio.com now.